Does everybody know what time it is? Time to change course. You know why? Why? The escalator's out, so you know what that means. What does it mean? We'll have to take a stairway to heaven. (sighs) That's right, it's grunt work. Coming to you on a dusty road. Loud grunting? I've got a truckload. And when you get it, you've got something. And don't worry, because I'm coming. I'm a tool man. I'm a tool man. I'm a tool man. Come on. I'm a tool man. And that ain't all, because I'm also listening to Grunt Work, the only podcast about the TV series Home Improvement that Piscina's to the left. I'm your host, Truman, the nothing but trouble man caps, and with me as oh, always no. is my co-host Landon, the Bustin makes me feel good man Solano. Okay, and Landon, right, I'll take that. Landon, before we start, yeah. I want to apologize for your nickname because I know that we only just got out of horny jail after last week's episode, <laughs> and I feel like this is um, we're already running the risk of going back in there. Re- recidivism rates are high for horny jail. <laughs> You know what? Uh, there's not a better jail to spend your time in, baby. I well, I mean, I don't know if it's a co-ed jail. Maybe. I mean, and and listen, I mean, for for us at least, though, I think this is going to be the least horny of episodes. But we can try. We can certainly try. No, let's not try and blaze new ground in making something where Dan Aykroyd is present horny. That's not. That's never been done, and it cannot be done. He tried that himself by having a ghost give him a blowjob, uh, and it didn't work too well. No, no. In fact, it, it in fa- made a lot of lot of uh, preteens very confused. It, it made a lot of preteens very confused. That was the downside. The upside is that it is that that one like five second long scene in the movie Ghostbusters has provided fodder for I think two hundred and seventy thousand hours of podcasting. I think every you know, you know what no one talks about though what they 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 break down the conceptual like who thought of that how did that get past so many people how did Ivan Reitman say yes let's do this how did Dan Aykroyd write that how did it get there no one talks about the sound he makes <laughs> Ooh, like that. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Okay, we're going back to horny jail. <laughs> we're going back to horny jail. But but we're going to horny jail for Dan Aykroyd, which again is a feat that has never been accomplished before. <laughs> um not for lack of trying. No, not <laughs> Yeah, by Dan Aykroyd. Um <laughs> people who didn't watch the episode are going to be wondering why we're talking so much about the Croyd. So we should um I don't know. I, I guess I guess we should get into it. Unless we should but, get into it. But do it do unless do we want to talk about the elephant in the room, though? Um, is there an elephant in this room? Well, I He's mean, really well disguised. If he it, is, I, well, okay. This elephant—it's—it's it's a picture of an elephant that, thanks to the <laughs> blockchain, is supposedly worth ten or twenty oh. Ethereum. Um, yes, I was not going to bring this up. <laughs> well, look, I just want to say—I know we've all been wondering. Yeah. I've thought long and hard about NFTs, and I've decided it's not <laughs> something I need to do. Uh, <laughs> the 17 Look, words. Okay. <laughs> Here's the history, folks. Um, for a little while there, Richard Karn was considering <laughs> doing an NFT. Watching it unfold on social media, I really got the sense of, like, this is someone who is, you know, 
bless his heart, trying to stay on top of things. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know, and I have to admit, I I really it, still to this day struggle with NFTs, and you know he <laughs> tail was old this time, <laughs> struggling with <laughs> NFTs. <laughs> he came to the decision, uh, to to you know not do an uh, NFT, and you know, thank God. Yeah. Um. Good. My my general opinion on NFTs is I have NFT for NFTs, which is no fucking time. I got no fucking time mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. NFTs. Yeah, yeah. I get I, I got you there. I got you there. I'm trying to I'm 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 just right now you can hear the RAM in my brain like my, my brain's hard drive whirring loudly as I try to figure out three different words that start with N, F, and T so I can out joke you on this one and Truman the professional writer is failing. Um but <laughs> listen, by no means yes. by no means am I trying to poke fun at Richard Karn, a dude who seems like a great dude who probably got hit up by some venture capital douchebags about doing a Richard Karn NFT and then after forty eight hours would it be uh perhaps another uh member of the home improvement cast. <laughs> oh, you know, I hadn't thought I about that. I know that. he's into Bitcoin. I don't know if he's into NFTs, oh but it wouldn't God. surprise me. We need to have a whole podcast that we don't release to anyone but ourselves, where we speculate about which Home Improvement cast members got uh, Richard Karn into NFTs. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not dunking on Richard Karn at all. I just want to point out no, that I've, I've been following Richard Karn on Twitter and very carefully tracking his level of the engagement situation. for a while is that ju- I have I'm, listen no one else is monitoring the Richard Karn situation I'm do well Landon is do Landon and I are monitoring the Richard Karn we situation are, yes. for all of you you're welcome by the way <laughs> um but his tweet saying that he's not gonna make an NFT of himself di- I mean got more engagement than I think anything else he's ever tweeted before <laughs> So I'm just thinking, Landon, maybe we should flirt with doing an NFT and then 48 hours decide not to do – 48 hours later mm. decide not to do it. That might be the key to getting us really noticed. <laughs> our our NFT is going to be dishing on the Home Improvement cast. <laughs> <laughs> Probably so. Or it's, or it's in, be... in a more candid way than we do <laughs> on a weekly, weekly basis. I guess Gruntwork Nights is kind of our NFT, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's a total sham that we somehow make money off of. Um, yeah, but at least it puts the fun in fungible. That's true. That's true. I can't. I can't argue with that. <laughs> can you? I think you can, Truman. Uh, you know we play games I, on this show. We do play games on this show. I do an NFT of a mushroom because that puts the fungi in fungible. Go on. We play games on this show, <laughs> such as the word game I just played <laughs> called One Upsmanship. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we. We play games on this show, and um, before we get into this episode, because uh, we got a synopsis coming up, we're we're going to talk a little bit about our reflections of this week's episode of Home Improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to make sure we get out our secret word. Of course, uh, the because word if you, you say this word, mm-hmm. if you say this word at any point during this episode, our patrons over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod will get something, something. They'll get something. They'll win something. Dude, you're not promoting this very well. Emily and well, Paris I, I, would look decided down her nose to abandon, I've decided to abandon the Chalupa thing, because we're not going to give them Chalupas. I don't know what it is we're going to get them, but we're going to give them something. This is not incentivizing people to join our Patreon land, and this is not good marketing. <laughs> what are we doing? You'll get something. You'll get belly button lint. What do you get? A Chalupa is a tangible object that people generally like. I, look, okay, True. I'm... 
you, you, no, no. You have more. You, listen, you you run the contests. You know what you're doing. You're you're the you're the brains of the operation. <laughs> well, there's your mistake. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, I have a secret word that mm. I want to get out uh, now in case you mm. say it in in any more. Uh, delaying that we do before getting to this episode. Yes, of course, of course. Well, look, you, I want to give our, our our listeners the optimal chance of winning whatever this no prize is going to be. It's great. It's great, dude. I'm sure they're all so psyched to get this mysterious. Uh, is it an NFT of Richard Karn that you're getting? Because it's honestly, that would be a pretty good prize because now he knows he's not going to do it. Yeah, there you go. Um, so I'm going to mute you, and I'm okay, going to tell everyone be. what the secret word is, Do and uh, we will continue with the episode. So, right. Truman, I am muting myself so you can't hear me now. Truman, can you hear me? Perfect. Okay, I'm going to keep it quick this week, folks. This word is, the secret word this week is Episcopalian, because it's fun to say, Episcopalian. Okay, Truman, are you back? Oh, I'm back. This was a quick one this time. I'm. It was I, a quick like, one. Like, I even said that two seconds ago. I mean, okay, well, I'm I'm sure when I'm editing the episode, I'll have a little chortle about this. It's just, I like, I was getting ready to build a ship in the bottle with all the time that I normally have while you and the fans have a lengthy chat that Truman's not privy to until, like, six days later. I, I, I felt bad about your jealousy in the past episodes. I wanted to keep it quick so uh, you could you could join us. You That's... could join our little conversation that we're having about this episode of Home Improvement that we watched this week. Yes, we did. Landon. Cool. End of this episode. Week on the yeah. <laughs> Landon, what happened yep. this week on the TV series yeah. Home Improvement? You see, the reason we got tripped up there, folks, is that uh, we were leading to the synopsis where <laughs> I forgot to write one and uh, didn't see it in my notes. And so I was waiting for Truman to say it. Um, wait. We had a whole conversation before we started this episode. Do you want me to read the synopsis that I wrote, Landon? I'll fucking do this. If you have one. Yeah, oh, well, I've got sure, one. Why not? Because you I was what? mixed up about what it was. No, Landon, I'll save you some time. Okay, this folks. This is why we're good podcast hosts, because you forget what episode we're doing and who's doing what, and I forget to do the things I'm actually supposed to do, and somehow we fill in the gaps for each other. How have we made it through seven seasons of this show without like accidentally setting know. one of us on fire? I mean, it's really amazing. Know. Okay, folks. This week on the TV series Home Improvement, Truman, Truman Caps here doing all the work. Um <laughs> When Randy begins volunteering at a hospice home, he meets a feisty, terminally ill woman who encourages him to question authority, which prompts Randy to start questioning organized religion. Mm. Concerned, Tim takes this up with Al's priest, Mike, a cool dude who loves playing the blues, busting ghosts, and being nothing but trouble. <laughs> now, I... I yeah. When I, like, earlier tonight, I thought that I was going to be doing the synopsis, and then when I found out that no Landon was going to be doing the synopsis, mm -hmm. I recycled some of these things into <laughs> I was gonna our, say, our I nicknames. knew you were going to, you didn't want to be held over the coals for recycling jokes. <laughs> no, no, I didn't, and yet, and yet I had to. Sometimes you're forced to recycle. <laughs> well, I'm going to take it one step further and make you feel even worse by criticizing one quick little thing in your synopsis, which is, okay. I think Randy was questioning organized religion before he started doing hospice. I would say that that was kind of part of the emphasis for him to do it, don't you think? I guess, okay, no, no, you're right. That is probably true. I just think that Randy was never telling his parents about not wanting to go to church before he met Elaine 
okay. the woman from hospice, and then her encouragement to question everything in life and to fight for what you believe mm-hmm. in and stand up for your principles is what leads him to go all the way, the whole hog, if you will, on not uh, going to church. Uh, okay, we I agree, and we are in agreement. Ah, classic lines. A norm, <laughs> uh, bazinga, uh, etc. <laughs> Speaking of classic lines, um, I have one for you. Yeah, okay. It's called Guess That Title. Okay, I got three options. Okay. All right, first option. Are you there, God? It's me, Randy. Wait, no, I'm sorry. Are you not there, God? It's oh. me, Randy. Ah. Yeah, okay. see, better, better. That little, that little twist makes it all the better. Thank you. Um, second option, my Rand to God it's not a reference to wait, Senator wait, wait, wait. Rand Paul, by the way. Just, just. I was going to say, okay, my brain took a second to try to untangle it, and when I did, I realized I don't think I understood it. Well, I mean, Randy's Randy's name is Randy, and then okay, hand, my hand to God oh, is an expression. Okay, I and see. Rand okay. rhymes with hand, and mm-hmm. your co-host Truman is lazy and doesn't come up with good bits. <laughs> so I think, I think. Mr. Snow, uh, Mr. Police, I gave you all the clues. You can kind of piece yeah. it together from there. All right, last option. <laughs> They're a little soggy from being stuck in the snow, but yeah, you know, well, you, you know it's, <laughs> it, it, there was an ice storm in Portland when I was visiting my parents. Some of my bits got <laughs> soggy. Um, last, last option. The Blue Brother, <laughs> because dealing with Elaine's mortality. <laughs> Makes Randy, brother of uh, Mark and Brad, kind of blue. <laughs> kind of blue, oh, also wow. an album by Miles Davis. Um, 100% on that one. The, I Yeah, you like it. the Blue Brother? Yeah, thank you. Also, Dan Aykroyd is in brother. this episode. Uh, we said it before, we'll say it again. Like, that's why I'm doing these bits. <laughs> um, I think there's always room for an Aykroyd bit, but uh, yeah, I, it is I relevant. I do, too. I do, too. Um, Kudos to that last title. Uh, Thank you. I, I I would vote to replace the the existing title if the existing title wasn't somewhat good. Yeah. Um, it, it, applicable for the time in which it was released. Let's say that. Do you want to guess? Uh, do you want a clue as to what it is, or uh, are we are we past that since we're not g- doing g- a little bit? G- give me a clue because now I'm curious. Um, your clue, curious. How about? Uh, how familiar are you with the band REM? I'm fairly familiar, I would think. Uh, what's their What's their probably biggest hit? End of the world as we know it. <laughs> A little bit bigger than that one. Uh, one that people can actually sing along to. <laughs> uh, I, I can say the words Leonard Bernstein. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, well, it's not going to be Stand. Uh, uh-huh. Oh, wait, losing my religion. Bing, 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 bing. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I mean, I shouldn't get any sort of credit for that. You definitely uh, you don't. took me by the hand and like. <laughs> I just wow. like making bing noises. Okay, well, good. Bing bong. It's the new. It's the new <laughs> meme. All the kids are loving right now. Um, all right, losing my religion. I, I, props, props. Yeah. That's actually like I. Yeah, that's a, that's a good title. I would have if I were in the home improvement writers' room. I would have suggested that title. Maybe I was. Well, Who knows? Go. It's a real Jack Torrance <laughs> wow. in The Shining situation. You've always been home improvement. <laughs> You're the Doogie Hauser of ABC sitcom <laughs> writers. 
why haven't they made that Doogie Hauser, but he's writing a TV show? That would have been my shit as a kid when I knew I wanted to write a TV show, but I was I had the problem just, of being a little kid. Here's the thing. We'll just we'll get Aaron Sorkin in the room with the writers of Young Sheldon. Oh. <laughs> it's just just boom, we've got a new show. Uh just young Sheldon walking around saying Bazinga over and over again. That's that's the whole thing. Uh Landon. Yeah. This episode. Um, why don't you tell yeah, me some was, details? I know about you're about to episode. ask. I'm gonna. I, you're you're about to ask. I'm gonna tell you mm-hmm. that this episode was broadcast on November 18th, 1997, directed mm-hmm. by Andrew Sow and mm-hmm. written by Bruce Ferber and Lloyd Garver. Ferbs and Truman. Garves. Land. How did you feel about this episode? I felt generally good about this episode. It was mm-hmm. perfectly solid. It was mm-hmm. not great. It did not make mm-hmm. me cry. Um. Mm-hmm. I think that, honestly, this episode suffers for having Dan Aykroyd shoehorned into it as basically a backdoor pilot slash promo for the TV series Soul Man, which utterly failed. Um, You know, the episode is at its strongest when Randy is cutting it up with Elaine, the woman in hospice who he's dealing with. Uh, Dealing with, I'm sorry. Spending time with because he likes her and they have a good relation. Dealing with. Jesus fucking Christ, Truman. Uh, And it's it's also strong when Tim and Jill and Randy are debating the role of Christianity in their lives, which I think is really interesting. Yep. Uh, And the presence of, like, a cool minister doesn't add anything to it that the core cast couldn't have added on their own. Also... Dan Aykroyd is genuinely not funny in this. I oh, I like it's rough. <laughs> I, I, I and I I I like Dan Aykroyd warts and all. I I mainly because I find him a fascinatingly weird little man who is somehow wealthy and was a movie star despite. I, I, despite everything about, I like <laughs> despite Dan a- everything. <laughs> I, I I am fascinated by Dan Aykroyd. I appreciate Dan Aykroyd. I think that Dan Aykroyd and I, if I were to meet him, could probably have interesting conversations. He's not great in this episode <laughs> about uh, interesting conversations about aliens, about tequila. I mean, yeah, on it, well, it's vodka. Thank you very much. But yes, I mean, oh I, I mean, I'm just saying he he'd be a, like compared to most celebrities. I think Dan Aykroyd would be it would be a wild conversation. You wouldn't necessarily agree <laughs> with anything you heard. But anyway, um, yes. Hey, well, I, I want to comment on that real quick just yeah. to, to give some well, because I have my own personal reflections. I want to get into. Yeah, a second I, 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 I want to hear them. Here's the thing is um, I, I was just looking this up. I'm, I'm kind of doing some studying on the fly here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Soul Man, the first season was only three episodes long, and they tested it in the uh, basically the second half of um, what was you know the last season of Home Improvement. So mm-hmm. the pilot episode aired in April, uh, April 15th of 1997. So that was back at the end of season six of Home Improvement. Oh, okay. It lasted three episodes. It did not go well yeah (laughs) and so i think that they decided we're going to bring it back and we're going to do everything we can to try to give it you know the boost that it needs and that included included uh uh incorporating it into you know the home improvement universe (laughs) yeah the home improvement (laughs) Um, television universe yes right because uh this episode aired i'm trying to see like pretty well let's see um Maybe about five episodes into season two of, uh, whatchamacallit, Soul Man. Oh, Soul Man. Read, wow. Reading and talking at the same time. It's not my strong suit. Always a recipe for success on this show. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this and, wasn't a backdoor pilot at, the same at time, all. 
right before right before this episode of Home Improvement aired, Zachary Ty Bryan appeared on an episode of Soul Man, uh, season oh. two, episode five. Hmm. And didn't I'm I'm sorry I did a, I did a skosh of research on Soul Man myself. Didn't uh, didn't Richard Karn appear at the end of season one of Soul Man? So I guess the third episode of Soul Man. Uh, could be. Uh, I I've moved off of the Soul Man page so that I can turn my attention back to. The Let, let's not, let's not think that much about about the TV series okay. Soul Man. And just, but yeah, but like what? Yeah, tell me tell me more about your reflections and how how. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I have I had a thought, but just to to kind of talk of my personal reflections, you know, I think you touched on pretty much all of them. It's a fine episode that I'm more than likely not going to remember, except no. you know, a year from now I'm going to go, oh yeah, Dan Aykroyd was on an episode. What episode was that? <laughs> um, so here, okay, here's my thought. I have a sneaking suspicion that. There was a lot going on in sitcom land at this time with shows like Roseanne mm-hmm. uh, tackling some elevated issues for mm-hmm. a sitcom, you know, some stuff like racism and domestic abuse and addiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe this is just my speculation to compete that Home Improvement was maybe looking for some other themes that were maybe a little more wholesome, but also weren't being talked about. Yeah. Um. And I think the result is just, it's kind of an odd thing. Uh, 20 years after the fact, it's like, I don't know. In some cases, it, it sucks how much some of this content holds up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the gripes that Randy has about the world. Yeah. Um, is like, about our oh. healthcare system in America. <laughs> the politicians, about organized religion. Yeah, the whole shebang. Um, that's, yeah. Uh, so that, that's hard to stomach, but in others it's, I don't know. It feels like an oddity of, uh, you know, an episode that this, this theme was tackled on one of the highest rated television shows (laughs) at the time. Right. Like if I were to tell you that, uh, you know, not telling you that this was part of a sitcom, if I just told you that there's a story about a 15-year-old kid who decides he wants to stop going to church and instead dedicate his life to finding meaning through making the lives of those around him better, would you immediately think that I'm talking about a sitcom or, like, a Lassie Hellstrom movie? <laughs> I, uh, it, sound, it sounds more like kind of a, yeah, like a Lifetime movie or something like that. It doesn't sound like a necess- like a setup for comedy, much less if you told me that was a Home Improvement episode before I started doing if you told me in season one of Home Improvement <laughs> that there was going to be a Home Improvement episode where Randy decides to stop going to church, I would be shocked. I would not think this show would have gone right. that far. <laughs> it's well, I, I guess on some level it shows how far the the show has come in terms yeah. of what kind of stories it can tell, and I'm glad that it on some level it is telling you know uh, uh, unconventional stories, but it just it feels weird. You know, it mm-hmm. just feels like. How did they get here? What were the decisions that led to, you know, telling this sort of episode? Um, and it, it was a fine episode. Um, yeah. Dan Aykroyd absolutely is the weak link here. <laughs> Without question. The, the, the star of one of the seminal comedy films of the 1980s is the weakest link in this home improvement episode that's the I, I, listen i we, we maybe we'll get into it uh you know what we will we'll get into it in character actor corner i want to put a plug in that but for now why uh why don't you say we get off our numb butts and slide our way knees a creaking and a cracking to the <laughs> kneeler at the foot of the pew bow our heads and give prayers to the deep dive 
This dude, this this is a dude who spent some time in a church. Uh, yes, let's. I, I'm sure we'll get into that too. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get into everything as we always do. So yes. we open as we so often do on Tool Time, where mm-hmm. uh, the grunt creep is hanging from the audience railing, uh, yes. or the railing between the audience and uh, the and the set. Uh, Tim and Al come out, and uh, for this special episode, they are building a little something special for uh, Al's church. It's a wooden holder for the piscina, which is a it's custom custom cabinet week. Yes, oh, custom cabinet week. I didn't even realize. Uh, but it's a special. You know, the piscina is like a special kind of basin that you dump unused holy water and communion wine and other stuff into, and to uh, help uh, with the demonstration, they have the. Uh, priest of Al's Episcopal Church, uh, Father Mike, or Pastor Mike, or whatever the fuck you call it. I should have paid more attention. I was actually, I've actually watched this episode twice, and I still, and I was watching it right before we recorded this, and I still can't remember how we refer to Mike. But, uh, Pastor Mike, played by, uh, Dan Aykroyd, comes out, and, uh, they chat about the meaning of a piscina, and, uh, then... Tim uh, takes the piscina and tries to set it inside the wooden holder he's made, but the hole is too big, and the uh, important, blessed, uh, sacred thing falls straight through and shatters on the ground, and uh, Tim is going to go to hell. So, (laughs) that's the scene. Wow. Not for this specifically. There's other reasons Tim will go to hell. Uh, Okay, so, cold open. Tool time. uh, You made this cold open hot. Did I? Um, you did because I think you said our secret word. What? <laughs> uh, mm, it has to go to the judges. I wish we had a, an impartial third party to weigh in on this because you didn't say it in the variation that I had written it. Um, and I'm wondering if I now chose it because subconsciously I watched this episode like five minutes before we started recording, and I'm wondering if it was just bouncing around my was head. Was the word piscina? Was that, if you oh, chose God, the word no. piscina as the secret, that, that would have been way too obvious, Landon. What kind of church does uh, Al go to? Episcopalian. An Episcopal That's the church. Word. I said Episcopalian was the word. Oh my God, Landon! Okay, well, all right. Enjoy, enjoy your. And okay, well, now we need to figure out what the prize is, Landon, because everyone just fucking won it. Jesus Christ! You're, literally, God came down, listeners, and gave our our Gruntwork Knights subscribers uh, some uh, some blessings, some mana from. Totally expecting there to be like sound effects of fireworks going off and uh, a marching band playing down the street with a lot of trumpets going. Typically, we typically we make these jokes and I don't do it, but in this case, Truman, as you're editing the episode, I know that it's a work day and you should be doing your job, but I'm actually telling you now to go out and find that sound effect. It shouldn't take too long. (laughs) Well, while you're doing it, get get a wolf in there, maybe a hawk, and uh, uh, I don't know, some audience cheering, some applause. uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the the entirety of the song Stairway to Heaven. Let's really, just really get ourselves sued with some licensed media here. Um, Episcopalian. And I did it in the, like, within five minutes. That's amazing. You did. That's amazing. You did, which is, which is why I'm wondering if it was, you know, still bouncing around my head. I picked it because it's just a fun word to say. Episcopalian. It is a fun Episcopalian. word to say. There's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of satisfying consonants in that. Um, Episcopalian. So, 
I, no, I, what I found interesting about this is I feel like a lot of shows, uh, like, shows just kind of want you to assume that the characters on it are generically religious in some way. I always yeah. like it when a show then stipulates what actual type of religion someone follows. So knowing that Al is Episcopalian, which is the... See- American version of the Anglican church, a church that only exists because an English king wanted a divorce, is funny to me. That's just enjoyable. <laughs> I completely missed that detail um, the, the, from the episode, which is I wouldn't have picked it. I don't think I would have picked the word had it had I been super aware of it. You did wait. You didn't. You missed out on the detail that Al's church is an Episcopalian church. You yes. just wanted to say Episcopalian, unless I, uh, yeah, unless I, I said got it subconsciously, but. Um, I let me let me just get us back into the episode and agree with you that I do I think that's a a sort of specific detail that that does make the you know choice more interesting and and humorous because Episcopalian again funny fun word to say yes that should that really and the Episcopalian Church should be a church that uh, worships character actor Joe Piscopo uh, that is not the case <laughs> and I think they should change so any uh, Episcopalians that's just, that's listening just to Episcopalian. this. <laughs> Wait, is, no, no, I, no, I think Piscopalians are people who are huge fans of the uh, weird European liqueur Pisco. Um, <laughs> I, and I can't go any further I, with this it joke It might be that. spelled the same, just one has a little accent over the I. <laughs> that might be it. That might be the key. <laughs> um, um, oh, let's, okay, we got to talk about Dan Aykroyd. Yes. I've, I say this every episode, and you're like, no, he's not in this one, Truman. So, yes, now that we actually can. Um... We're a character actor corner. Truman, do you recognize who this character yeah, is? Yeah, I, I, I recognize him from the movie Trading Places that I watched with my parents over the holidays, and our Knights listeners have already heard me talk <laughs> Tune about. Tune into our Patreon episodes. Yes, yes. I recognize him as the guy who wrote a 300-page script called Ghostbusters about his actual <laughs> beliefs in multiple other dimensions and the afterlife. Um, oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird dude. A weird dude named Dan Aykroyd. Um... <laughs> So you you alluded to the fact that he is what uh, the star of so many um, noteworthy comedies. Is that what you said? Yeah, I mean, well, like he was, you know, he was a major player in Ghostbusters. He was, yes. uh, you I know, would say, I, here's my argument. Yeah, I, I know where you're already going. Okay, not to completely dismiss you. I think Ghostbusters is the outlier. Ghostbusters mm-hmm. is the one that he was the creative force driving it and was part of the ensemble, which is playing to his strengths. Yes. I don't think he's a leading man at all. No. I think that's part of what fails both in Soul Man and his appearance here. Like, yes. He is so flat. In yes. This. Like, this is the first appearance many people will have of the character of Reverend Mike we- Weber. Reverend. And I think... It's just like there's a show about this guy. <laughs> yeah. What the yeah. fuck? What? Um, <laughs> go on. Uh, but back to my point. I don't think I'm looking at his his filmography, and I'm kind of thinking back to my you know uh, memories of him. He appears in a lot of things, uh, so I think he has a consistency through you know our memory. But when I look at his stuff, I don't think he has that much great things in it. Yeah. Like. Ghostbusters is is undeniable, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Um, and I think some of the the stuff he's good in is kind of a fluke. Like Spies Like Us shouldn't work. It does. 
um, great outdoors works only because he has John Candy to play off of. Yes. Uh, I think Trading Places has some good moments, but I also think he's the weak link in it. Agreed. He, I mean, he, he, John Landis is probably the weak link of that movie. Well, I mean, it's easy to be the weak link in a movie when you're up against Eddie Murphy in his absolute prime. <laughs> like, like anyone will be the weak link in that movie. Um, but here, I'm going to read you some of his other credits, okay? And yeah. You, I mean, these are the big ones. I'm, I'm leaving mm-hmm. out stuff like The Twilight Zone, and I'm leaving mm-hmm. out stuff like his, you know, uh, appearance in, you know, Temple of Doom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um... So he was uh, in Dragnet with Tom Hanks. Oh, okay, okay. Now listen, I watched that movie on basic cable a lot as a child. I have a certain. Fo- I agree, and, shitty movie, and you, but and you say you don't know rap music. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Hey there, Friday. We've stumbled upon a major crime. Oh man, I can't even remember the whole rap, but it's really good. <laughs> I give you props for that much. Um, he takes over for uh, Bill Murray and Caddyshack too. Oof. Uh, Oof. Ghostbusters two does not do as well. It's kind of I have affinity for it, but not as not as good as it was. No. He has a you know a dramatic turn in Driving Miss Daisy. Not a film that holds up very well uh, mm-hmm. in twenty twenty one. Very true. Um, then you know somehow from just those credits and you know stuff like My Stepmother is an Alien. Like there's no big things here. He's writing on still the the coattails of ghostbusters to get the creative control behind nothing but trouble Mm -hmm. yes yes (laughs) which is one of the worst movies uh i i don't even i can't even classify it as one of the worst movies it's just one of the most baffling unsettling movies that exists in the world look before before the human centipede there was nothing but trouble (laughs) that movie that's like how did the money come together for something so upsetting to be on film like it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. And then I look at the rest of his career. He, you know, he's got a turn in My Girl. Uh, he was, you know, with um, uh, Robert Redford in Sneakers. He had a, a part as Max Sennett in Chaplin. He, you know, the next big lead he has is in Coneheads, and that's another stinker. I mean, again, I have affinity for it. Then he like pops back up in North Exit to Eden. Uh, has a small part in Tommy Boy. Uh, appears as Ray Stance in Casper. Like, what is his career? I don't think he has the career that people think he has. That's what I love about him, though. I agree with your entire assessment. That oh, is Blues what Brothers. I, I, I totally forgot to say Blues Brothers. Yeah, Blues That's Brothers, which came out in the 70s before Ghostbusters. 1980. 1980, okay, basically the 70s. Jimmy Carter was president for most well, of that year yeah, in he the was, 70s. I guess that's that's a big point, you know, that I, I don't want to overlook is, you know, his importance on Saturday Night Live and being, you know, a, a trendsetter there uh, and then spinning off the Blues Brothers from that. That was huge. That was but, big. But that sure. is that is what I love, though, and what fascinates me about Dan Aykroyd. So, like, what does he re- like? He did great work on SNL. He did great work in Blues Brothers. He did great work in Ghostbusters. So, like, his peak like occurred four years before I was born and yet now (laughs) still Dan Aykroyd is a name that people know and people talk about him even though he has really not made anything good in so long and that is part of what is just like like he's not see like he's not inherently super funny he needs to be there are only very specific situations in which this guy works he has a whole host of I can't I can't watch him Nowadays, I saw him on was it the the fortieth anniversary or the fiftieth? Yeah, one of the, SNL did a, a big on. yeah, it did one of the big anniversary episodes, and 
Um, you know, they had some big names come back. Him and Steve Martin did a version of, you know, Wild and Crazy Guys. And, mm-hmm. like, it it was, like, stomach-churning to watch. It, 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 I, uh, this is very unfair of me. And I recognize the extreme at which I describe this. <laughs> wow. But but buckle I, in, gang. This is going to be a good I, one. Whatever Landon says next is going to flip your wigs. I saw Blues Brothers 2000s, uh, 2000 in the theater Oof. and hated it then. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what? It couldn't be as bad as I remember it. And I watched Blues Brothers, and I, I love Blues Brothers despite yeah. some of the stuff you know driving it, uh, yeah. John Landis. But the I thought, okay, I'm going to watch Blues Brothers 2000. And I put it on, and it felt like being at high school prom – And my dad coming in, wearing his underwear, dancing in the middle of the dance floor, and asking every girl to dance with him. (laughs) God. That's how embarrassing it felt to watch Dan Aykroyd in Blues Brothers 2000. You thought about that analogy for a second. You didn't. That wasn't off the dome, with all respect to you as an improviser. It was. It was. That's how specifically bad he is that such (laughs) specificity comes to mind for unbridled embarrassment in, in watching Dan Eckerd now. There is a... For me. For me. No, for no, me. no, I agree. There is a certain... Something about seeing Dan Aykroyd in this, it is the certain level of your dad embarrassing you. Like, the way in which he's not funny. There is something <laughs> but about like it where you're like... in, the worst way possible. I, you know, like, seeing him in this, it's like... Like, I have these awkward feelings of like, oh, I just want you to be better. Like... <laughs> To, to be fair, that's not an emotion I've ever had about my father. He's never, like, shown up on my tool show and made a bunch of <laughs> jokes about religion that fell completely flat. But just, right. I, I don't know, it, it's 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 somehow personal when Dan Aykroyd sucks, you know? <laughs> I think, yeah, he, I mean, he does kind of have, like, a, a fatherly thing about him, just generally speaking. So watching him fail does kind of like feel like you're watching your dad fail and you know i think that i've used every possible term to refer to his position in the church maybe he is actually a father is in terms of his title as a priest or whatever um yeah he's nominated for an oscar he's he's i think the first saturday night live uh alumni to be nominated for an oscar um supporting role in driving miss daisy really yeah yeah well, that that and only that removes all of the Oscars' credibility. Otherwise, I agree with them 100% of the time. Green Book, best movie they made a couple years ago. So, okay, so Dan Aykroyd is Father Mike. That's a whole-ass thing. Um, it, is there, That's a whole-ass thing for sure. Uh, is there, a, like, in terms of other stuff in this scene, um, no. I mean, no? I mean, do you have anything? I mean... I, I don't Dan know. Dan Aykroyd, I, his very presence just kind of dwarfs everything else that's going on in it. I, I, I fully agree. I mean, I don't know. I didn't know what a piscina was before this. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I like that, I don't know, some, something about Al being so involved in his church is cool to me. And also, <laughs> uh, when Al makes a joke at, no, when, uh, when, a pa- when Father Mike makes a joke at Tim's expense, it's something about like, oh, it's so simple, even you couldn't destroy it, Tim. And right. Al laughs and high fives Father Mike. I don't. I, they do take terms like given given Tim some jibes, and I do like that. I, I like that. I just like how how complete. Like Al is ecstatic. 
to be hanging out with his with his priest right now, which totally. And again, I didn't grow up in church culture, but that seems to me like a very nerdy thing that is on par with Al to be like, it's like, oh, my teacher's my best friend. Like, oh, the priest is my best friend. I don't know. I, I like that. <laughs> I mean, you know, just hearing you mention that it kind of brought to mind something that I now want to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you want to see? When you think about the Ghostbusters, they're really like, Yes, they're scientists and they're from the, you know, intellectual elite of their college and whatnot, but really they're blue collar workers. Oh, and yeah. They're exterminators. I uh, I feel like Richard Karn, I feel like Al Borland would fit very well into their crew and oh I want to see <laughs> I want to see that happen. Uh, Richard Karn busting would make me feel good. I tell you what, that would really... <laughs> That's what the world needs to heal, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, if listen, also, if if Al Borland was one of the Ghostbusters, the third act of that movie wouldn't happen, because I think he would have he diffused the tension with that dude from the EPA. They wouldn't have <laughs> shut down the containment unit. Uh, and he also, and also, if Al was there, he wouldn't have thought of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Like maybe he would have thought of Tim or something worse. Oh no! Oh uh, God, actually, no! Actually, yes. And then Tim would have definitely destroyed all of New York before they could cross the streams. Okay, maybe, maybe he wouldn't have been a great Ghostbuster. <laughs> Yikes! Um, Yikes! Tim smashes the piscina, and the piscina uh, angels rise from its ashes and uh, uh, take us to the theme song. Gonna, for the sake of time, skip over theme song corner this week. That's fine. We've covered it pretty extensively. <laughs> I think so. Um, so we go from the theme song into the living room, and yes. uh, Willow is there. Remember Willow, uh, oh, Wilson's niece? I remember Willow. This is her second appearance on the show. Uh, she is teaching Brad and Mark how to do yoga, and commentary I'm going to hold off for in a minute. Uh, they, they are uh, not used to stretching in that way. She says, you know, for your first session, that's pretty good, guys. They are in pain. Um, Tim walks in and sees Brad and Mark lying on the ground and makes a, you know, oh, you ate your mom's meatloaf again, huh? Um, <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> Jill, who's been on the computer in the background, comes on down and uh, starts talking to Tim. Willow uh, asks Tim if he's tried yoga, uh, and he's like, no matter what they do to it, it never tastes like ice cream. <laughs> good, good. It's a good joke. joke. Joke's happening. Randy comes in, uh, says that he, he's basically just doing a walkthrough. He's on his way out the door, says he's about to go volunteer at hospice, and that kind of takes Tim and Jill by surprise a little bit. Yep, yep. That's essentially the scene. Yes. Um. So, okay, well, now now I'm interested to, I, I'm interested to know your Willow thoughts. Well, Willow. I mean, it's not even just a Willow thought. It's like the shot that introduces the scene is, um, (laughs) oh, not disconcerting. It's it's Uh, weird. It's weird. It's crotchy. It's a crotchy shot. Very crotchy is the perfect word. It it is crotch forward all around. It's a trifecta of crotches. It's a a crotch factor. It starts with Willow just. Bent over backwards, uh, crotch first uh, at the camera. Willow in and a in a form fitting black like leotard. Nothing to the imagination. And we pull no. backwards and we see Mark and Brad with their crotches right at the camera. It's just it was a lot to take <laughs> all at once. It's it's, um, it's it's no it is no one's best angle, and they're giving that to <laughs> to everybody. Uh, to each their own. To each their own. 
Okay, I mean, fine. It, yeah, it's a, it's a rough way to get... Like, you come out of the opening credits and you're like, okay, what is the Taylor family up to this week? Oh, crotches! Oh, Jesus. It's a lot... <laughs> I like the, I here's the thing is it, we're seven seasons in I like that it can still throw us surprises every once in a while. Yeah, I mean yeah, I mean there's some some surprises are good surprises, some surprises not so good. Uh there's other I don't know. I mean I'm not like a yoga expert, but I feel like there's yoga poses they could have done that are not three crotches right just just front and center at the camera. <laughs> three three <laughs> I like the idea of that. Crotches being the difficulty rating of yoga poses, <laughs> they they were doing three crotch difficulty. <laughs> they should have started with a single crotch difficulty. Oh man, I got I I totally got fucked up on the ski slopes. I was I should have only done the one the one crotch slope, but I took I went I went the black diamond crotch slope, and oh boy. <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> So, um, we also get introduced to the beginning of Randy's story. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on what's going on here? What I what I find just interesting, and this isn't even a criticism by any means, I like that mm-hmm. for a long time on this show, Randy was the cool guy, and he's handsome, yeah. and he's got jokes and japes, and he's the funny one, and he's got little snide remarks, and now it's like, no, Randy's Jesus. Randy is literally Jesus fucking Christ. It's like, like he's wait, saying, wait, what? I'm going to go volunteer at the hospice home. Mm. And Jill is like, well, you know, Randy, it's great that you're doing that, but it's, I mean, it's going to be pretty hard for you being around people who are dying. And Randy goes, well, it's going to be hard for me, but imagine how hard it is for them. And it's like, wow, <laughs> I mean, Randy is just like, yeah. Randy's brand before was he's the funny cut up class clown. Okay. And now Randy's yeah. brand is he is the selfless bleeding heart. And I don't, I think that's cool. I think that takes the show in a very interesting direction. It's just you're 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 pinpointing more the harsh change, not necessarily what he's changed into. I I got no problem with what he's changing into. It's just kind of an abrupt yeah, like okay. swap over from like I want to kiss girls <laughs> and make fun of my dorky brother Mark, and now now it's like <laughs> think of how hard it is for them. I'm trying to render what little care I can to the suffering and well, needy of the world. <laughs> Not to, I, I mean, listen, I'm not going to put myself into a Jesus Christ pose here, but when he said that, like, it it was almost word for word an argument, not an argument, a, a, uh, uh, <laughs> wow. oh, what, emphatic Landon? conversation <laughs> mm. um, I had with, with my parents about what I want to do with my life. I, you know, my, not to get too philosophical or deep or personal with it, but, you know, we've talked on the show before that I don't think either of us are looking to have kids in this world. No. No. <laughs> no. Uh, and so my my main drive in life really is like, I don't want kids, so I want to make the world better for the people that are already living in it. And he, yeah. what he says here is almost verbatim what I told my parents in terms of, you know, not wanting to go for a, a big company job uh, mm. that I want to spend my time working in nonprofits. Yeah. And that's what I have been lucky to do. So um, I don't know. This was like you've called Randy your best friend in the past, and now I'm just saying you have competition. Okay. Okay. I'm glad we can all be best friends. <laughs> look, Randy can have – look, look. We Multiple people can call Randy their best friend. I'm just concerned about who Randy thinks his best friend is, you know? Uh, like. Okay. Uh, look, you know, I, if we were together right now, I would be shaking hands with you and wishing you good luck on the field of battle for Randy's affections. 
Um, All right. Well, I'm just saying the the one who you know is doting over him and paying him compliments week after week and calling him his best friend. Uh, you know, uh, just saying there's something there's a little bit to to keep him at a distance, playing it cool, I, negging uh, him a little bit. I look, man. We've both. Got, I'm may the best man win is what I'm saying. <laughs> like you've okay. got your strategy, I've got mine. You're playing it cool. I'm playing it really hot, and we'll see. <laughs> Randy's my best friend. Um, I, I want to. I'd like I, to talk to him sometime. Yeah, yeah whatever. Uh, you know who's not my best friend? Willow. I. She's still. Her delivery hmm. still gets to me when when Tim comes in and she goes like, "Hey, Mr. Taylor, ever try yoga?" <laughs> it's just. I mean, you. <laughs> I I understand what you're saying. Uh, I mean, you're pushing it a little extreme. <laughs> a little, but not. But I'm not I, pushing I, it much further. <laughs> She pushed I mean, it a lot of the way. You make her sound like she just put out a doobie before he walked in. Like she she, she stepped you, out of a, the back doors of a van with smoke pillowing out behind her. I mean, how do you know that she didn't right before that yoga session? I mean, I, I, <laughs> A, how do you know that, how do you know, tell me with a straight face, Landon, that Wilson doesn't grow weed in that backyard and that he and Willow don't smoke it. I mean, we've we speculated in the past whether or not Wilson's growing back there. Uh, it could be a bonding activity that they do now. Uh, honestly, uh, and and you know, honestly, he's probably growing whatever plant you get ayahuasca out of. It, weed is too <laughs> weed is too too simple for him. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah. So other than that, I don't really have any big notes on this. The line about yeah, w- when Tim comes in and sees them all lying in corpse pose and says, "Yeah, you had some of Mom's meatloaf, huh?" I know that I've typically been hard on them when they make jokes about Jill's cooking. That's an objectively hilarious line. So, congrats. I, I think it was. I I made a note of that as well, and I think it was more that there was a visual to go with it. Like, yes, it looked funny that they were all lying on the floor like corpses. <laughs> yes, agreed. If he had just come in and like someone was making you know a icky face, yeah. it wouldn't have been as funny. True. That's a, that's a very good point. I think that's I think that's what really sells it. Um, you have anything else for that scene? That's all I got for that scene. Okay. Well, we get a uh, facade of a house. I'm wondering if this is actually the Taylor house. What? Uh, do we see the outside of it for the first time? Who knows? We get yep, that's when they show verify. it to us. Yeah. It looks a little too colonial for where they live, to be honest with you. I, I, yeah. I don't picture them having a front porch uh, with railings and everything on it, but what do I know? Yeah. Um, that wipes the screen, taking us to the. I wrote down hospice, but really? Wilson comes in talking about working with children so take us through the scene and and make it make sense to me so so i'm assuming it is a hospice home i don't know what wilson's talking about but randy comes into this hospice (laughs) facility uh talks to the woman at the front desk says he's here to talk to elaine she says oh she's out on her walk she'll be back in a minute just have a seat Mm -hmm. randy sits down he is sat on a whoopee cushion (laughs) although as in wild america i wish the episode ended right there with just us believing that randy farted (laughs) I I forgot that that happened, <laughs> and you just got me with a fake whoopee cushion noise. <laughs> oh, folks, this is why you podcast. This is what Simple it's all measures. about. Um, Wilson, uh, hearing the, the farting noise, pokes his head around the corner. He's in full clown getup. Is the lower half of his face obscured? No, we're going to talk about this later. Um, <laughs> and explains that he comes here as Bubbles the Clown to entertain people. Uh, and then presently Elaine and her nurse return from their walk and Randy gets up and starts talking to Elaine and is trying to be kind of like, 
I, you know, he's coming into it like he's talking to an old lady who's dying, and Elaine quickly proves that she has huge Sophia Petrillo from Golden Girls energy and is a <laughs> sassy, street-smart old lady who won't take none of your jive. And uh, they, uh, they, you know, and then they agree to go and look around the home together while she gives him the tour. So that is Randy's first entrance to the hospice home. Can yes. we... Talk about you, you skipped over entirely Wilson, but um, no, I mentioned Wilson being there as a clown. I just oh, didn't... I I zoned out. <laughs> yeah, clearly you did. The folks, <laughs> folks at home, let's let's all remember you know that I... I did just talk about Wilson. The thing is, as you were talking, I have the episode playing in the background, and when you brought up Wilson, uh, was the moment that Randy sat on the whoopee cushion again. So I got I got, I got double laughs. I got tickled by the whoopee double cushion laughs. twice. <laughs> Look, um, you you said that she had big Sophia Petrillo energy. I think she's bringing Sylvia Sidney energy to this. Sylvia Sidney, wait, is that the one from uh, from from uh, Beetlejuice? Who Beetlejuice. we talked about? Yes, yeah, yes. She does have that kind of. She I, I mainly say Sophia Petrillo energy because I you know Randy says one thing and then she deadpan sarcasms him <laughs> to another thing. Uh, okay, she's like she's like a mix of Dorothy and Sophia. Yes, I would say that. That's probably true. And Randy in this scene is Rose. Uh, pour one out for Betty R. White. R.I.P. Uh, yes. Um, um, oh, before we go into some of the stuff, I have a, I have to imagine there's a lot to talk about with Wilson here. Uh, let's do just some quick character actor corners. Uh, yes. We get all three of the rest of our character actors in this scene, so let's just go through them quickly. Yeah, let's hit them. The let's hit them. Um, the uh, receptionist is mm-hmm. uh, named Becky. Uh, her, she's played by a actress by the name of Lauren Turek, T U E R K. Turek, dinosaur credits. Hunter. Okay. <laughs> uh, weren't they supposed to come out with another video game of that? Yeah, they were supposed to, and it just never happened. Yet another never promise happened. from the '90s going unfulfilled. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Fifteen credits, including Will and Grace, Third Rock from the Sun, Chicago Hope. Grace under mm. fire. Was she on ER? Gonna say, oh man, she's playing a nurse. Yes, she's not playing a nurse. She's playing a receptionist. Well, okay, fine, but in a medical facility, I'm still gonna say yes. She was not on ER, but she was well, on Gilmore Girls for two episodes. No, interesting. Look, you guys already got whatever the fuck the prize is, so it doesn't matter <laughs> if I get these right or wrong. Episcopalian. Episcopalian. You're going to be a pissed off uh, that I got it this quickly. <laughs> I am a little bit. Uh, Phyllis uh, er- Ehrlich. Phyllis Ehrlich plays the nurse. Uh, mm-hmm. 17 credits, so two more than Miss um, Lauren Turek. Okay. She has been in things going back to the facts of life in 1984 mm. and an episode of the 80s Twilight Zone, uh, as well as Knott's Landing. Was she on ER? She was not on ER? She played an episode in ER in 1994 called 24 Hours playing Confused Woman. Ah, shit. Confused Woman. That is a seminal role in TV history, too. (laughs) Um, Okay. And we come to Eileen, played by veteran actress Eileen Heckhart. Hmm. Uh, she goes back all the freaking way to 1950 doing stuff like the Ford Theater Hour. Wow. Um, 
she played on uh, Suspense, doing multiple roles on that. Uh, getting into the golden age of television, uh, Dr. Kildare, Naked City, um, mm. The Fugitive. Let's Ooh. get a little more recent. She was on an episode of Hawaii Five O of Rhoda, the Mary Tyler Moore show for three episodes. She was on Alice, but of course, I think people know her best uh, from her films with uh, Clint Eastwood in Heartbreak Ridge. Oh. Uh, she was in The First Wives Club, mm. The Bad Seed, which is a creepy child horror film. A and, horror film for uh, children. <laughs> she won an Oscar, nominated for two. Uh, she was nominated what? for The Bad Seed, but she won for Butterflies Are Free. I did not realize this was an Oscar winner in this Oscar episode. Winner. Oscar winner chicken dinner. She's great. <laughs> I love her in this, She's in this role. She's really good. She's like a highlight but of the episode. She, was she good or was she not good on ER? I'm sure she was great on the episode of ER. I'm assuming that she was on as a feature. She featured was guest. not on ER. Sorry, Fuck. sir. <laughs> oh god. It doesn't He's even so mean angry. anything. I'm just pissed off that the that when I assume they're not on it. They are on it, and when they you, are on it, you, they're not. You got the complete opposite trifecta this time. Yeah, folks, it's not, it's not we easy. We didn't do it for it. Do you want to guess for Dan Aykroyd and try to redeem yourself? I don't think I do, actually, because I honestly <laughs> cannot guess. I mean, it seems, like a, it seems likely that he would have been on ER, but also... He was on According to Jim. Well, okay. Well, yeah, obviously, a Belushi-related show. Of course he would be on it. Um, mm, no, no, I don't want to find out. I don't want to find out. I'll check later. I, you don't I can't, want to find out. I don't you know want what? To fi- then we're not going to tell our listeners either. Yeah, fuck it, guys. Google it if you want to know. Boy, I hope he wasn't on <laughs> ER, because if, if it turns out he was when I Google it after we record this, I'm going to feel like such a dunce. Um, okay. Guys. Wilson. Can we talk about Wilson now at long last? <laughs> yes, can we, we can. talk about Wilson? Let's do it. The, I'm be, I'm bent over because I have no energy right now. I'm crouching down. You Folks, hate when they do this so much. Because the Wilson gag is such a simple and effective gag. It's that Wilson's face is hidden behind something. And it's they've been making the show... The terrifying facade of a clown face. Do, no, doesn't count. Doesn't He's count. He's wearing been a fake the show. nose and a red afro wig. No, I can see his mouth and his chin, so the bit <laughs> doesn't work. You have to not be able to see Wilson's mouth. That's how the Wilson That's... gag works, and it pisses me off that I have to explain this to the people who invented Wilson. And created the gag, and after seven years of making the show, standing up now because my rage has come to a, to a head, they still don't seem to understand how to make it work. Having him in stage makeup does not make the bit work. It's just, it's, ah, it's such a, ah, it really bugs me. Like, the whole, but if we, if, if we covered his mouth, we wouldn't be able to see the, uh, the makeup choice to put uh, two gold stars at the corner of his mouth. Yeah, I mean, and look, and I understand that in the world of clowning, choosing the clown makeup face that you wear is very big and important, and so I want to applaud that work for Wilson, who probably went to clown college at some point. It just, um, I, I, to me, it's it's furthering Wilson's um, 
uh, I don't know. Um, God, come on, brain, work with me. <laughs> his his Rolodex of uh, creepy horror costumes. Uh, look, and that's very true. That's very that is very <laughs> true. It's creepy as hell. Him in a clown costume, like he is becoming. He is on his way to Pennywise, Penny Wilson, if you will. <laughs> um, as and John Wilson Gacy. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Now that being said, with all with all that yes. laid out there, and talking about how the bit there. the bit doesn't work if you can see the bottom half of Wilson's face, so Randy sits on the thing and it makes the <laughs> fart noise, and then Wilson pokes his head in, and so you know everyone is is laughing over the thing that just happened with uh, yes. w- with the, the whoopee cushion. So we see this clown stick his face in. And there's a few, uh, like two or three seconds of silence, and then Wilson says something like, "Oh, there's my whoopee cushion." Whatever. The audience is silent at the first sight of Clown Wilson. Then yes. when he starts speaking, the audience goes nuts. And I'm not saying uh, like it's our, it, it, it's one of the more wild reactions we've had on the show. It's not to the level that it was a few episodes ago, and it's not like Arsenio Hall craziness whooping it is definitely like kramer just burst into jerry's apartment level but i guess running contrary to everything i just ranted about the audience genuinely doesn't seem to know it's wilson until they hear his voice so maybe the (laughs) clown makeup is effective i I don't know i still don't like it but i teach the controversy i suppose (laughs) you know we all have our spicy opinions um, I'm just being careful not to state mine so what, as what? to keep this, uh, keep this podcast amicable. No, Landon, what is, what, what is your opinion about Wilson and clown makeup? Now I want to know. <laughs> uh, I, I think that there's enough argument to be made that makeup like the clown makeup or even the Phantom of the Opera makeup that we've seen obscures the face enough that you wouldn't necessarily recognize him on the street if he wasn't wearing it. I'm gonna fly to and Wisconsin. That, that and to roundhouse me is kick where you, the dude. lines run. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's that you can't recognize him as Wilson. That counts for him being obscured. Yes, I think so. You know what? I can take your competition for land for Randy's best friendship. I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I can take this, but that's fine. You know what? That's fine. It's, I guess... We'll, we'll put a... I'm sure next time they have an egregious error like this, we'll bring it back up and see how we both feel about it then. It's just when they did curtain calls for the live studio audience, Earl Hindman would come out with a fake prop fence held up over his face. That's how committed they were to the bit. And then they trash <laughs> yes. it every time he's in costume. How many times do we have to talk about this, gang? <sighs> he was also on Ryan's Hope for like... 18 years before home improvement. It's not it's not like some kind of the, everybody on the elevated train looking away from Peter Parker's face so they don't see the true identity of Spider-Man thing. I don't expect all of society to cooperate with this. I expect the producers of home improvement who created the gag to cooperate with their own internal logic for the show. I I, I see where you're coming from and Thank I respect you. it. Thank you. That's all I ask. Um Okay. Okay, so I mean, is the, so, okay, so is there more, I mean, do we have, uh, is there more that you have for this scene? I've been focusing really hard on Wilson at the expense of Elaine and Randy. No, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, Elaine, I say this in the utmost respect. She is a snarky broad and I she is. love it. 
I, when, when he first comes in and is talking to her, he's he, like, he says something like, she's come back from power walking nineties. And he says like, Oh my God, you, you power walk. And she goes, yeah, I also dress myself and cut my own meat, which is when I made the, <laughs> the Sophia Petrillo note. Uh, but yeah. I'm, yeah. That's fair. That's a, that's a Sophia note for sure. Yeah. That's yeah. All, I could see her delivering that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the main thrust of this scene is just that that uh, Elaine is a sassy broad and Wilson is a clown. That's the main things you need to know from this scene. <laughs> she decides to show Randy around and takes him to her apartment slash room um, where inside he starts to look at all of her photos. Uh, some of her children, her two children, Stephen and Nancy, uh, who both um, asked Elaine to move in with them. One lives in Florida, one lives in... Uh, California, and she said, no, I decided I'm going to stay here in Detroit until the Lions win a Super Bowl. <laughs> and it's Randy says, you're going to be here a while. They, <laughs> they they still haven't won a Super Bowl. I don't even think they've been contenders for a Super Bowl. No. Um, and, uh, well, you know, in the last scene, we didn't really talk about what Wilson and Randy discuss about randy being nervous which i think is Mm -hmm. a little important for true how he's acting in this scene he's like trying to feel it out and you know elaine's very much asserting herself saying you know uh i'm capable of taking care of myself making my own choices i i've lived a you know a pretty hearty life that would you know take the likes of you young fellow uh out to the pasture what am i saying i don't know words are coming out of my mouth (laughs) anyway randy is like yeah you're right you know i decided i wanted to do this to take you know um because it just seems like the the option of putting people into the the hospitals is you know he goes on his long rant about healthcare system yep Randy's my best friend yep (laughs) corruption and politics and organized religion and this impresses elaine she's she's like you know what you got a good head on your shoulders kid uh stick around you might learn something um and uh my note here is she's been hiding his oh it's it's miss i see there's a wrong space it turns out that uh elaine has been hiding wilson's props his clown props because she hates him so much. Yes, uh, which uh, we we heard in the previous scene, but uh, comes to fruition here. Yes, he he in the previous scene he's mentioning that he's lost his bottle full of spray seltzer, and uh, it turns out that she's got it. Um, yes. I you know I don't have much to say short of just that I really like Randy and Elaine together, and I think it speaks to yep. Jonathan Taylor Thomas's strengths as an actor, and also. Oh man, this Oscar-winning actress whose name I forgot, even though we just talked about Eileen it. Eileen Heckart. Eileen Heckart. Like they're good together. Like watching them talk yes. is fun. Like I could completely see a ninety-five-minute-long independent movie being made in like twenty thirteen around this basic <laughs> premise of a suave, uh, streetwise, opinionated kid, right? Uh, it's hanging out with played an old by lady. Patrick Fugit. Yes, probably. And the woman is played by in Sophia 2013. Petrillo. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> maybe Cloris Leachman. Cloris Leachman would be perfect. Or maybe Betty White R.I.P. because pour she was out. alive back then. Pour, pour there one you out. Go. Pour one pour, out for her too. My my carpet is getting very soggy. Um <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's it, it's just it's just fun seeing them interact and it's also I don't know. Like she, Randy goes on this whole big tirade about about the yes. the healthcare system and and her her saying you seem a little bitter just kind of shutting him down is <laughs> is is fun I, I i like that a lot 
Yeah. Yes. Uh, Randy, I don't know. I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about his like crusade here? Like it's I feel like it's been coming to fruition more and more with every episode since the Binford episode. Uh, but it's like he's I don't know. I mean, you, you called him a bleeding heart liberal I did. Uh, earlier. And I don't know. He's kind of like edging on insufferable at times. <laughs> I on the one hand I agree. On the other hand, I am probably the most insufferable person who ever has lived, so it doesn't really ping me that much. I mean, he's talking a lot for about how he's just begun questioning everything in life recently. Yeah. Corporate greed and the political system and organized religion. And he the tirade that kind of leads into this is him talking he says specifically, I've just been reading a lot of articles about the healthcare crisis in this country, semicolon. It yeah. makes me very mad, which pretty much describes me i i so <laughs> yeah, yeah i i i don't know i i do like this like i agree this is kind of the culmination of i think several episodes leading up to this of randy starting to just question and object to things in the world that he's been told are the way they are for a certain reason and now he's finally old enough to start asking why things are the way they are and if there's not a better yeah. way i and, and i think it's a it's a great thing for the show to have that counterpoint you know so much of it has been you know tim against jill which has been so overshadowed by the like man versus woman mm -hmm. uh you know kind of mission statement that set out the beginning of the show and now we've got you know kind of like a generational thing and mm -hmm. we've got you know someone that's questioning the systematic institutions right you know yeah. so i i think that is an interesting element to be bringing into the show and they've done it really naturally like i believe randy entering yeah. into that you know it's very natural it, it, uh, it i just think you know forced. he needs to like calm down a little bit i want to hear i'll have a conversation with him like i'll sit in the same room and like talk to him for a little bit but like i'm not gonna like just buy into his his you know sermons no that's totally fine dude that's totally fine you know as randy's best friend i can rely on him to come to me and will really connect over the issues in the healthcare industry you know and i mean i guess you'd you know you as just a typical bourgeois capitalist are fine with the uh medical system the way it is and that's fine you can just be one of randy's acquaintances can't you no i i am against the healthcare system as much as anyone i'm just saying uh -huh. you know i'll set up a coffee time with him and you know at some point we'll we'll talk about it maybe you know if it mm -hmm. comes up yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I got you. Sure. Sure. Well, you know, I, that's fine. He he knows who he can really talk to about the issues, and that's his best friend Truman. Speaking he listens to this podcast. His shoes. Yeah. A uh, big clown shoe walks through the screen, wiping us. <laughs> Too commercial. Mm -hmm. Or well, and, uh, no, not commercially just yet. We go back home. Yes. And so back home, Randy comes in. He's super jazzed up and inspired by Elaine. Is talking to Tim and Jill about how great it was talking mm -hmm. to her. And uh, Tim then invites Randy to come to a ceremony at Al's church where they're going to be blessing the new piscina, which Tim refers to as a Pasadena, which gets massive laughs from the audience for a very specific L.A.-related joke. Um <laughs> Randy uh, tells them that he's not going to go to church on Sunday because going to church makes him uncomfortable now. Organized religion no longer makes mm -hmm. sense to him. Uh, Tim opines that organized religion doesn't make sense to anybody, but we still go to church. 
Uh, Jill is generally supportive of Randy doing his own thing, but she is concerned because the family has always gone to church together and she isn't sure if he wants to just walk away from everything he believes in. Randy says that sitting in church runs contrary to his convictions and beliefs. And Tim goes, convictions and beliefs? What does that have to do with religion? Um, <laughs> and I got to say, this episode is kind of making a an, an unusually strong, like, subversive case against just organized mainline Christianity right now. The, the fact that yes. the biggest defender of organized religion in the episode is Tim, who does not seem to really understand anything about religion or even the basic concepts of Christianity, but still believes everyone should go sit in a church once a week. Trump's America, am I right? Oh, elbows, <laughs> political. Wait, are you trying to... Wait, no. Are you just saying that because Randy would like you saying that? Because, sir, let me tell you, he, he is... Not going to out best friend me for that. <laughs> how, how dare you think that I would play to such a low common denominator there? Yeah, that you um, would that you would stoop so low as to engage in such such you know razor sharp political commentary. Um, <laughs> I want to I want to touch on your point though that it it is interesting the the I don't know, they kind of blur the stance a little bit though I think of where they stand on organized religion because they don't go so far as to make Randy like an atheist. He's not mm-hmm. challenging God. He's challenging yeah. organized religion. Yeah. And I, I think it's a little bit safer. You know, yeah. they oh. even go so far to counter it by saying that they are Christians yes. you know, uh, later in the episode. I thought that was interesting that they defined that. Um, but, you know, Randy says here, that he's not, you know, going to church, any church makes him uncomfortable. He thinks that people can experience God in different ways. So mm-hmm. he's not turning his, you know, mind away from God, which yeah. is, I think, big uh, in, in terms of, like, <laughs> not upsetting the viewership too much. I I, I, to- I totally agree with you. It's definitely kind of a... <laughs> It's kind. It's a little bit soft pitch. Like it's basically Randy saying that he's not a generic once a week Christian and right. is instead sort of an agnostic who still nonetheless believes in a singular God and basic Christian tenets of life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it would be a little bit of a, a whiplash if like Ricky Gervais walked in here all of a sudden <laughs> giving one of his stand up you know spiels. Yeah, yeah. You know. Randy comes in and says he identifies as an attack helicopter and then laughs gratingly, <laughs> ear splittingly for the next five minutes at the hilariousness of his joke. Um, yeah, yeah, like it's definitely, yeah, you know, I'm proud of the show for doing this yes. bit. And I, and I think that it, I think that the show handles this issue in a really good way. Yes. You know, as a, you know, as an atheist whose parents are atheists and whose grandparents were atheists, yeah, sure, I would love it if Randy starts actually interrogating the nature of whether there is any higher power in the universe, <laughs> but I also don't expect the TV series Home Improvement to do that in, like, 1997. Um, yeah, I, I think that they push the issue as as far as they can, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, because it is Disney, it is a family sitcom, it's, you know, meant to hit that wholesome market, Uh so the fact that they're even challenging it at all, I think, is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't um, know. I mean, I'm I'm completely on Randy's wavelength here. I, you know, minus the God stuff. Uh, yeah. Minus I, you know, the existence I, of a higher power. Yeah. <laughs> minus, yeah. Exactly. I, I'm totally. I I consider myself. This is a little weird to say. I realize. Uh, a nihilistic humanist. 
Mm-hmm. Or Ooh, that's depending a good on one. what mood you get me in, a humanist <laughs> nihilist. <laughs> uh, where to me, like, and this is I'm, I'm going to swear I'm going to tie this back into the episode. To me, nothing, nothing means anything. <laughs> We're all just that's... living in chaos. It's just a, a random things are happening. And it's only the meaning that we get it. So if if nothing means anything, that means everything means everything. Folks, like, <laughs> does no, that make on. any sense? No, that no, that does like, make sense. You know, I mean, like, if nothing means anything, then it's only every single moment that we're living in that matters. And we have to put our best foot forward and do what Randy is doing and live kind of what he's suggesting here, which is like, Fucking nothing means anything, so why not make it livable and tolerable and pleasant, dare I say, for the people that live here? (laughs) Folks, sometimes you're friends with someone for the better part of a decade and make a podcast with them for a long time and never really talk about theology or beliefs. And then he, apropos of nothing, well, apropos of the TV show you just watched, states his beliefs and they line up perfectly with yours and you realize why you're such good friends like shit I, okay at, okay so wait nihilistic humanist that may, okay maybe i'll do that is instead this, of atheist maybe that's my one is this i just want to see if we're on the same page here are we basically leaving jill on the bed and walking arm in arm back into the closet together? yeah yes i know i think that and is that is jtt abs- is is jill and this <laughs> Yeah, I know. I mean, it's. I think. I think this is. Yeah, really. We've the the entire episode. We've been competing for for uh, Randy's affections. Then we've realized that we were the the real best friends. Was the friends we made along the way? I guess. Yes. Oh my god. We wow. are the end of the physical music video. Um. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's great. That's beautiful, man. Uh. Okay. Well, a couple of uh, nihilistic humanists over here, uh, celebrating <laughs> Randy's journey. Hopefully, to like, hopefully by now, Randy is, has gotten to our level. Like, I, I can also see it being. It was probably easier in 1997 to believe that there yeah. was some higher power controlling world events. At in 2022, not so much. Well, and when you're first starting to question it, you know, you are coming from a starting point, which is breaking away from your parents. He's still living at home, and True. obviously Tim and Jill have their their thoughts, and they're going to church every Sunday. So, you know, to start from there, to say, you know, that's just where he is at, at his point. Yeah. It's been 25 yeah. years since this episode aired. He, he may be at our level. He might have gone, you know what? No, you were right. I need to go to church every Saturday night, midnight mass, yeah. <laughs> as well as every morning on Sunday. He's he's one of those he's become one of those weird Opus Day Catholics from Da Vinci Code who like whip themselves and go to church on Wednesdays in addition to Sundays. Um, oh my god! I, oh, yeah, I, so I mean I don't know. I'm trying to look if there's anything else from this scene in particular. It's just that you know yeah Tim's big point is just that I don't care if you've got questions about God, you can think about those questions about God when you've got your butt in a pew. And yeah. Randy's like no. And to be well, fair. And Tim Tim isn't like a dick about it. He just is saying, "I would like for you to go to church." And Randy says, "No, thanks." Yeah. Well, he's he's pulling a parent here, which is just like there's a little bit of judgment in in Tim's stance here, where it's sure. just like you you got to go to church mm-hmm. because if yeah. you don't go to church, that's you know, and it, like that's where his thought process stops, right? Yes. Um, and what I like is okay, so we we get some church doors taking mm-hmm. us to the commercial, and we come back. And it's just Tim and Jill in the kitchen, kind of in a continuation of the scene. Yeah. And they're talking about it. And I, mm-hmm. I really like that they added this scene because the episode's not necessarily about them. It's about Randy's journey here. But yeah. we get 
you know, some additional, you know, kind of devil and angel, if you want to go with that metaphor, <laughs> um, <laughs> All talking in the about what's going on yeah. with this issue, you know. So, like, Tim is kind of hemming and hawing, trying to come up with, like, a, a more concrete reason for his stance. And, Jill, you know, at some point he says, and I really like this part, because he mm. says, my parents made me go to church and I was a better man for it. And Jill says, my parents made me go to church and I was better off in spite of it. And mm-hmm. that just like it almost gave me chills, like yeah. to to come down, you know, to to be that kind of astute about it. Yeah. And what I also like about this next scene is, you know, T- Tim is so upset that Randy isn't going to go to church, and Jill points out that Tim usually falls asleep in church, and Tim just says, "But I'm in the building, so I get credit." And <laughs> it's a funny yeah. line, but it also it I, that makes sense within Tim's rings, worldview, right? I think like it just, rings true of of. So much of organized religion, which is yeah. what doesn't make a lick of sense. I mean, it's just to me obligation. Yes. and he's he's kind of showing you know that side of it, which is not necessarily a pretty side of no. it. You know, th- just the kind of mindlessness of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, I mean this the episode the thrust of the episode is really behind Randy. Like the episode itself seems to take Randy's side, which is like you need to you know. Belief takes many forms. Walk, there are walk ways. To walk. Yeah, exactly. Like, like just going there and sitting in the church and having it mean nothing to you is it, like if it means something to you to go to church, go to church. If it means nothing to you, don't right. go to church. Do another thing. Which again it's, is a, in Tim's world, like on the way to church, if there was someone on the side of the road that needed help, it's more important to him to get to church and be seen in church and know that he's going to church rather than stopping and missing church to help the person on the side of the road. Yes, agreed. Agreed. That is. I, I, you know, yeah, and I, I like that the show kind of presents it that way, and and I, I don't know, I, I think it's an interesting theological discussion to see on the TV series Home Improvement in prime time. <laughs> um, Indeed, um, I, we get. Yeah, do you have something else for that scene? Just the, the last, like, the scene ends with Brad and Mark. Like, so Tim and oh, Jill yeah. have had this this conversation, <laughs> and Tim is kind of agitated by all of it. He's just having to ponder a lot of things he's not used to pondering. Brad and Mark come back from yoga with Willow next door, and they're in very severe pain. And Brad goes, oh, Dad, what do you do for back spasms? And Tim just goes, I go to church and I don't ask why! <laughs> <laughs> Which is very funny. Yes, yeah, I like that. Um, we get a scene slide transition back to Elaine's, uh, her and Randy are playing cards. They are gambling for monies <laughs> and he's in the hole for a lot. $378,000, I think. <laughs> and, uh, he goes, would you take some gum, uh, instead? And she goes, uh, nope, I only take cash or pants. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the audience didn't, but I definitely heard a generation of teenage girls wooing at that one. Woo! Um, Please! Turns out she starts talking a little bit about her past and says that she was a former truck driver. Uh, yada, yada, yada. They're kind of um, swapping war stories and bonding. It's a really sweet scene. Then Wilson appears uh, to, I don't know, give Elaine her daily dose of chuckles. Yeah, he's and Patch he's Adams with his- her. <laughs> he spray she sprays him with his uh, own seltzer bottle and uh he scampers away. Yes, well he deflates in fact. <laughs> um uh thoughts. Uh this scene is again, this is just more more 
more gold between between two yeah. great actors. Uh, you know, she's telling all these stories about she drove an 18-wheeler and met her husband at a Reno truck stop and then divorced him at the next one. And 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 Randy's, Randy is hanging on every word. And then at some point in the story, he goes, is any of this true? And she goes, some of it. Have you ever been to Vegas? And Randy goes, yeah, went last year, got a fake ID, hooked up with a showgirl, won 12 grand. Any of that true? None of it. Which, <laughs> well delivered. Yeah, it's um, great. And, you know, so I like them lying to each other. I like Randy and the streetwise lady. Like, this this lady has the same puckish sense of humor that Randy does. Like, the same sort, like yeah. the same sort of sense of humor Randy had before he became a bleeding heart social justice warrior. Um, <laughs> the, the only other thing I'd say is that when Wilson comes in and she pulls out the spray bottle, I really thought she was going to spray him in the face with it. And instead, she weirdly sprays him from the crotch up. His chest, <laughs> she does, and then down. She does it. <laughs> she goes like nuts to chest. It's it's, it's really weird. A very odd. And I, you know what, Landon? I think I've cracked the case. Let's see what you think. I think if she sprayed him in the face, it would have taken the clown makeup off, and it would have made it harder oh. to reset the scene. So they had her doing yep. the body instead. That's my belief. Well, look at you, Mister Columbo, over here. You you definitely cracked that case, Lieutenant. I, I, one more thing, Mr. Finneyester. Just one more thing. Uh, if if Wilson doesn't have the fence in front of his face, how are you doing the Wilson gag? That's how I would arrest him and send him to podcast jail. Actually, I'm doing this uh, frame by frame. I'm trying to see if it's even real water, like if they animated it in. That would it be... Looks, it looks... Why would they animate the water in Landon in 1997? Because then he's got to reset his... <laughs> They gotta reset his suit as well. It it is landed. It's cheaper to buy four clown suits than it is to like make computer animated water on a sitcom that you're editing I don't know. on they a had tight smoke timeline. Coming out of a out of the tool time banner the other week. I don't know. I'm not okay. So I, it's it's too difficult for me to tell. I am going frame by frame here. I'm not seeing a a dampening of the actual suit. It could be made of nylon, though. And I'm not seeing any, like, backspray coming off of it hitting him. It just does seem like it's dissolving right as it hits him. I I, I can hear the Unsolved Mysteries music playing already. Robert, Robert Stack looming in the background, ready to explain Listen, to viewers. L- listeners, watch this Watch this shot and uh, and chime in. You can help solve a mystery. <laughs> now, now, if you're now if you're really lucky, immediately after this, you hear the boop 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 boop, and it's the update, update. section. <laughs> yeah, in 1995, Wilson's body was found in a marsh outside Mobile, Alabama. His clown suit was dry. Um, that, I'm sorry, that was dark. But usually, the the solutions to the mysteries are pretty dark on that show. They are dark. Yes. Uh, Okay, so Wilson melts, and a mover comes in to slide the scene out of the way. We go to Tool Time, where uh, Al comes in. He is ecstatic because he has a date, and not just a date, a double date, to uh, this big Saturday night church thing. Um, And uh, Tim's like, oh, cool, what's a double date? What's going on? And he's like, yep, that's right. I'm going with uh, Reverend Mike Weber. And we get to, uh, we get Dan Aykroyd again. Yep, yep. <laughs> we wanted to avoid the um, Croyd, but we cannot. He's back. I have multiple notes to make, and I'm going to save them for just a minute. Uh, after they do their shtick, they Tim and uh, Al and Mike leave, uh, leaving Tim and or I'm sorry, Al leaves, leaving Mike and Tim to kind of talk about what's going on with Randy. 
Tim brings up uh, that Randy's questioning, you know, his faith a little bit uh, and organized religion and going to church. And Mike kind of like hears Tim out and points Tim in the right direction, saying, well, it sounds like everything you're saying Randy's doing is, you know, living by the good word. Uh, is is Randy a, a good kid? And Tim's like, yeah, yeah, he's a great kid. He's like, well, you know, I think uh, I think I think you don't have to worry so much. And Tim's like, cool. And yeah, some more stuff happens in that conversation, but that's the gist of it. They talk about cars a whole bunch too. They talk they a lot about cars. Yep, yep, exactly. You got to block all that. <laughs> I don't shit know if you know up. this. Dan Aykroyd and Tim Allen, <laughs> the actors behind the characters here, are big gearheads. So it was white noise listening to it to me. I mean, like, if if I didn't know you, Landon, I would just assume that everyone from Detroit is incapable of having a conversation unless they are talking about cars for at least, like, 60% of it. So thank you, I guess, for representing the, the you know, greater Michigan urban situation pretty well. Uh, so... <laughs> You're welcome. I mean, I guess. So... Yeah, Landon, how, like, uh, this is a big, uh, this is a big Dan Aykroyd and Richard Karn scene. Uh, oh. I, do, how do you want to crack it? Do you want to crack it? I don't. I don't. I want to ignore it and pretend it doesn't exist. So, Pastor Mike and Al are going to be double dating, because I get, as yep. we find out in the show uh, Soul Man, Pastor Mike is a widower, and uh, so presumably Pastor Mike is set. Al up with some lady, double dating with your priest. I guess that's the thing you can do. Um, so, but they're going to go to the blues it's the barrel. Thing you can do is no one asks it a thing you should do. No, I mean, I generally, I wouldn't want to, and again, as I've made clear, I do, I come from the least religious background possible, but I would not want to go on double dates with a religious leader. That just doesn't seem like the right environment. Um, but so they're going to go to, like, they're taking their double dates to the Blues Barrel. That's where Pastor Mike has bought them tickets for. Pastor Mike comes in, and he's talking about this. We're going to go to the Blues Barrel, and and I love the I Blues I would rather so see much. Richard Karn without his beard. <laughs> I mean... That's how I felt about this moment. It is, yeah, it's a little bit cringe, because he, Pastor Mike pulls out from his pocket... A pair of sunglasses, like the ones worn in the movie Blues Brothers, starring Dan Aykroyd, and hands them to Richard Karn. Richard Karn puts them on, and then, while they're talking about how much they love the blues, Pastor Mike starts drumming on the the uh, the tool bench, and Al is singing the blues, going like, nah, 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 I was born on a Monday, and it sure was a fun day. And <laughs> Now... Listen, Richard Carnes' enthusiasm is the only thing that got me through this moment. Perfect. Um, my my note, which was written in all caps, the second that those sunglasses came out and they passed from Dan Aykroyd's hand to Richard Carnes' hand was, again, in all caps, don't do it, Al. Don't do a blues brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, I, I, I was, I mean... Dan Aykroyd has roped more people into doing a Blues Brother than should be legally allowed. Yeah, He's roped the, in John Goodman, yes, John Belushi, Jim yes. Belushi, yes, uh, uh, a little little child. Yeah, that that poor kid. He's going to be a Blues Brother for life now. He can't even help it. I mean, it, yeah, look, the blues is a gateway drug to being <laughs> a Blues Brother. He, uh, God Almighty, who was um? Oh my God, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, uh, 
Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, Joe Morton, the yeah. fucking inventor of Skynet, <laughs> oh. was a Blues Brother. Wait, really? He was one of the Blues Brothers, too? Jesus. In Blues Brothers 2000, yes. I feel, okay, well, listen, this is the beauty of me having not seen Blues Brothers 2000 and only having seen Blues Brothers do Prime. I, yeah, no, I'm not going you, to. You, you, <laughs> you put forth that Nothing But Trouble is the worst movie ever made. Blues Brothers 2000, 100% more worse than uh, Nothing But Trouble, to the extent that I can't speak grammatically pro- proper. Well, well, I mean, I don't, I don't think the movies had anything to do with that. Like, that's that seems to be a constant <laughs> thing about your character, Landon. Without, without, you don't know that. <laughs> okay, I, I've only been speaking like this since I saw Blues Brothers two thousand in the theater. True, and that movie did come out long before we met. So, okay, fine, you, you might have a point. Maybe Blues Brothers two thousand did do this to you. Uh, then, then we're talking about a class action lawsuit here. If you've had difficulty speaking since seeing the film uh, Blues Brothers two thousand, you may be entitled to compensation. Call the law offices now, of Accidentes. <laughs> Um, there are two other things that I feel like I'll be a little too nitpicky. I- I'm going to sound like, because I already don't like it, I'm predisposed to find things I don't like about this. But there are it's these little things about what Dan Eckert is doing that make it unbearably cringe for me. When he's drumming on the counter, he closes yes. his eyes. Oh, yeah, because he's feeling the music, <laughs> and he, bro. And he feels the rhythm. And it's yeah. just like... It's there's not a lick of irony in it. It's just like him doing it. He's really just like I'm gonna. I know blues and I'm gonna play it right here on this counter. <laughs> and I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I I'm recoiling into myself even speaking right now. It's rough. It's 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 a rough moment. The other it, the other moment is yeah. when Al is on his way out. They do a high five and then they. Dan Ecker kind of spins it around like, you know, a double high five where you do one yeah. in the air and then you put it behind your back. Yeah, yeah the windmill I'm, high five from Top Gun. The, the windmill high five. And the the combination of those two things in qu- so quick a succession just, like, gave me Ackroyd whiplash. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it gave you hemcroids, if you will. Um, <laughs> I agree. It's, look, it, it, there's something about Al being so enthusiastically yes. roll dogs with his <laughs> priest is just like it's so lame. Yes, I hate to use like I try not to like apply that word because no. it's an easy catch all, but it's just like it's just dumb. Al like, is yeah. lovably lame. That's his yeah. whole thing. I love that about him. I'm lame to a major degree, and it's yes. part of what I find relatable about him. Yeah. It's just, but I also, you wouldn't, like, hang out with your priest and be psyched, and, like, <laughs> no. you wouldn't let your priest set you up on dates with women, which is what has happened here. Well, I don't know. I mean, I haven't met a lot of people, especially women, uh, since I moved here. At this point, I might be open to it. Landon, start going to church. That's where you meet all the babes. Um <laughs> So, the, the the big thing for me that was the real sticking point in this scene, he comes in. Pastor Mike comes in, he gives Al the shades, and then, like, did he buy the shades for Al? Did he just stop by to give him the the shades? The thing is, why why does he need, and also, I get get the impression. Yeah. I I might be going too far here, but, because I'm speculating about the person and not the character now, but I, I, I wouldn't put it past Dan Aykroyd for just, like, 
keeping pairs of sunglasses in his pockets to give out to people he thinks are fans. <laughs> Look, within within the context of the TV series Home Improvement and the actor Dan Aykroyd, no doubt about it. He carry he has a bunch <laughs> of them in his car. He and he's ready because, to because yeah he at the end of the scene. <laughs> He's about to go run off and join L. He pulls a second pair of sunglasses out of his pocket. So he's carrying multiple sunglasses on him. He pulls a second pair of sunglasses out of his pocket. He puts them on over the glasses he's over already wearing. What Psycho kind of shit. Ins- <laughs> um, that, that broke me. By the time that happened, I'm just like, I have no more thought power I can give to Dan Aykroyd. So thank God it's his exit from this episode. <laughs> and so also it's like, so he gives the shades to Al and, and like, and is that just the whole reason he came was to give the, sh- but then also like, so do, do, do people just inherently associate dark sunglasses with the blues or is he doing it because, oh yeah, it's like in that movie about the blues, Blues Brothers, mm. starring John Belushi and <laughs> like is the I idea think... that the movie Blues Brothers exists in Home Improvement Universe and this guy just happens to bear a striking resemblance to one of the Blues Brothers? I'm gonna I'm gonna say that the two are one and the same. At mm. least in nineteen ninety seven. Because I think on a, a recent night's episode about Halloween costumes, I had talked about going out as an FBI agent. Mm-hmm. And I was with my cousin. We were a pair and we had black suits and we were wearing sunglasses. We did not have the hats on, but everyone assumed we were the Blues Brothers. And mm. so I think that because they made which is, you know, an appropriation which is really frustrating, they made that look synonymous with blues. That yeah, he can now bring out a pair of sunglasses and just go. This is what blues are. <laughs> yes, yes. Without with, without it being a direct reference to the Blues Brothers. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, the, the couple of couple I mean, of white white I'm sure Dan Aykroyd said it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the so I mean the only other thing that I have from this scene really then, uh. Okay, two things from this scene. First thing okay. is that if we're going to do a reference to another Dan Aykroyd movie, um, rather than him giving Al a pair of sunglasses and putting on his own sunglasses, I really would have rather seen uh, Father Mike uh, get a blowjob from a ghost and go cross-eyed and make a weird sound. <laughs> Secondly, um, this whole scene with with Tim and, Pastor, and, and Father Mike talking is clearly, like, the whole reason that he's in this episode is to get people juiced up to watch Soul Man, which is on the air at this point and needs a boost yes. in ratings. And we've talked about Dan Aykroyd not being particularly funny. Just also, the character right. as he's presented, so he's a dude in Royal Oak, Michigan, who has a few kids and really likes cars and likes mm-hmm. restoring old cars and driving fast cars around. Yeah. And he's a and he's a priest. That's that, that's the pitch, man. You're in the room the... and you go, "Listen, I got a show. It's about a reverend, but he's cool." Yeah, what a reverend who fucks. And, and when you do that, when you say he's cool, you got to you got to do the thing where where Jill puts her tongue kind of in her lower lip and bobs her head back and forth. Mm, it's cool. Mm-hmm. I'm doing I'm doing it right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Greenland. <laughs> and it's going to star Dan Aykroyd. And guess what? We're going to get him to do a flip in the theme song. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the the an entire show based on references to a thing Dan Aykroyd did 20 years before that people liked. That's <laughs> that's the whole idea. 
That's all I got. That's, That's his like whole it. career, as we've covered. Yeah, no, I it's it's just one thing when when Dan Aykroyd's last good thing was twenty years ago. It's another thing now when Dan Aykroyd's last good thing was like forty or fifty years ago. Like now we're getting really far <laughs> into the weeds. Um, good God, yeah. So that's all I got for this scene. Okay, then we get some smoke uh, transitioning us to hospice, um, where we got kind of a sad scene. Becky, the receptionist, is there as Randy walks in. Uh, he's about to go see Elaine, and Becky stops him and says, you know what? She's actually taken a turn for the worse. Uh, she said that she doesn't want to see anyone right now, and she doesn't want anyone to see her. Uh, I'm terribly sorry, but this uh, tends to happen sometimes, and Randy's a little nonplussed is that the right word for this he's a little uh taken aback he doesn't quite understand uh how this could be he's, he, uh, in a, he's in all kind of an up. emotional <laughs> don't you uh-huh. dare don't yeah don't don't you fucking dare do that <laughs> you are not allowed I'm, you I'm cannot sorry. blues the actual blues here <laughs> i'm just saying after hearing don't this you... this sad information randy's singing the blues he's he he has a reason to sing the blues He's not singing the Aykroyd blues. You know, he's not singing... Listen, we have those Dan Aykroyd blues because we're trying to do a podcast about a show that Dan Aykroyd has shown up in. Those are those Dan Aykroyd blues. (laughs) Those are those Dan Aykroyd blues. Um, Randy has the real blues because, like, this is a a pretty big moment for him of, like, he's been questioning religion and all of a sudden, you know, he's trying to do good by his own measure and... And even then, it uh, can't necessarily affect the world for the positive, or at least, you know, in his limited emotional state here, uh, can see. Yeah. And decide, you know, he, he basically just says, this sucks. And yeah. I'm going to go. Yep. And he does. It's, it's a short scene. <laughs> my, my note was, he honks and then gets sad. Well... <laughs> Oh yeah, the, yeah. Because she she hands him the box of of clown props, and he just yeah yeah sadly she said, honks uh, the horn. Elaine wanted you to have this, and she hands him Wilson's props, uh, and he pulls out a horn and honks it, and, which is just like he's he's about to cry, and then he honks a horn, and the music is sad. <laughs> it's just like that's a it's a weird moment. It's kind of a baller move from Elaine though to be like, hey, I know it's gonna fuck you up that I'm dying, so here's a box of like whoopee cushions that I stole from your neighbor to remember me by. <laughs> I mean, that's I don't know. I, 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 I. When I am old and and dying in hospice, I hope that I can fuck with some well intentioned teenager like oh, that. I, I've been laying the groundwork already for that stuff. <laughs> uh well uh well good you know proper planning is is really what it takes to to leave an impact in this world uh so from there i mean do you have anything about that scene i mean nope nope we get we get uh patented sad dissolve yes yes (laughs) as our transition uh when when things tragically happen on the show we dissolve uh to back home where tim and jill are talking yeah what happens here uh so back home uh you know, Tim is telling Jill about the advice from Father Mike about how volunteering is. I mean, basically, having told Father Mike, you know, about what Randy was up to, Father Mike told him, "Oh yeah, well, it seems like volunteering and helping out in social justice causes are kind of Randy's way of going to church." And so Tim relates all this to Jill and says, "Yeah, so Father Mike thinks I should be more open-minded." And Jill goes, "That's what I told you." And Tim goes, "Well, it had more impact coming from a minister who bar hops with Al." And uh, then Randy comes home, and he is uh, uh, distressed. He laments the fact that Elaine is doing badly (laughs) uh, and has taken a turn for the worse. And Randy just 
kind of explains that he'd convinced himself that spending time with her would save her, and this the fact that she's dying is shaken his beliefs. And Tim and Jill do a really good job of kind of, you know, talking about how, well, yeah, this stuff is hard. And, you know, we spend our whole, Tim says, we spend our whole lives trying to figure this stuff out. I spend a long time trying to figure out why my dad died so young. And Randy asks him how he got through it. And Tim says that he did, you know, it's a lot of patience and grieving and prayer. And Randy suggests that maybe he'll say a prayer for Elaine. And, Mm -hmm. and Tim goes, well, there's a place that people go to pray for protection. And Randy goes, I'm not going to church, dad. And Tim goes, I was talking about tool time. And then we find out that this show was executive produced by Carmen Finiestra because the credits start showing up. <laughs> it, it was kind of, I don't know, it it felt like they just ran out of time in this episode. Yes. Like, yes. we could have had a better resolution had yep. Dan Aykroyd not been here. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, you know what, Landon? This or, is why you're, you're or, my best friend. Here's a question. Yeah. Uh, we have a character that we're trying to spin off a show for who's a reverend, mm. and we have a character who's questioning organized religion. Who's losing his religion. maybe put those two together at any point? What? What? <laughs> like, it, it, the thing, like, I completely agree. That, like, I was so shocked by this episode ending here because they've set up previously, hey, there's going to be a special ceremony at Al's church to bless the new piscina. Oh, so <laughs> right. Al's going to be there. We're going to see the church. We're presumably going to see the date that Al was talking about. Fa- uh, Father Mike <laughs> is going to be there. Randy will go there. This will be a huge source of conflict. Like, they've set up what the end of the episode could be. Oh, man, I would... Ackroyd yeah, ruined it this episode, which is which is a shame because I I like what the scene is doing. It just yeah. is so hamfistedly ended. Yes, <laughs> not only of the scene but of the show of the episode. It's just like oh okay, you have to end on a joke, and you went on one that doesn't make a lick of sense. <laughs> but whatever. I I mean, and look, ma- mad props to the show for not having the end of this episode be Randy going, you know what, guys? I do want to go back to church. Like, I really respect (laughs) that they keep Randy with his beliefs. That's good. I just... uh, Yeah, you know, this is what makes this episode a... Yeah, this is solid and not a great... Like, having the scene at the church with Father Mike and Al and the piscina and Randy confronting his feelings about organized religion in the house of God, that would take us to good to great episode territory. And we don't go there, so we don't get there. <laughs> what, a, what a great way Amen. of uh, summarizing that. Um, yep. Dearly beloved. We get some outtakes, uh, mm-hmm. three in a row of Randy Flubb in a line, which is pretty fun to watch JTT fuck up. I like it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's good. Uh, Truman, Landon, what do you think we learned from this episode? Landon, we learned from this episode that over there, you can see in the corner, that's me in the corner. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's me in the spotlight, losing my religion. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really wish that I paid more attention to the lyrics of that song when I heard it on the radio, because I can't remember the rest. (laughs) But I think what we learned, yeah, is basically that. Is that, yeah, that that if you're wondering who it is in the corner losing their religion, it's me. What did you learn from this episode? I mean, I don't have to, I don't have to try and take a stab because Episcopalian was apparently the word this time. Well, and I told you that this this asking what we learned in this episode isn't about trying to get you to say the magic word. No, I, I want to I, know what the moral. What are we supposed to take away from this thing? I think no, actually, I think what we're supposed to take away from this thing is that uh, is that your your um, 
you're doing way more to advance the Christian worldview in the at least uh, traditional sense of it by going out into the community and doing good things than you are falling asleep in church every Sunday. So uh, t- take take it from Truman, the the Christianity expert. That's how you be a better Christian. <laughs> yeah, go do a good thing. Go do yeah. a good thing today. Yeah, go do a good thing, you doofus. Uh, what about you, Landon? Did you learn anything this week? Uh, nothing that I didn't already know. <laughs> what? Oh, this guy's got it all figured out. You know what? That's why Randy would be your best friend. It's the confidence. It's the confidence. <laughs> Emphasis on con. hey um, Listen, let's end this episode. Uh, we have yes. a few more things we still have to do. One of them yes. is uh, the grunt count. Yes, we do. Do you want to guess, Landon? It's a big old zero. It's yeah. A big old zero. Ding, 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 ding. Correct. No grunts. No room for grunts because Dan Aykroyd took them all out. Because I'm surprised the good Lord they didn't said have. No. <laughs> I, I'm shocked, actually, that Dan Aykroyd didn't think, oh, I'm going to be on home improvement. I have to grunt. I, on, like, <laughs> there has to be like outtakes of him improvising grunts in the middle of his speech. I, you know what, that you're, you're right. That actually is kind of shocking to me that he doesn't grunt in this episode. That totally seems like I'm, a Dan Aykroyd thing. I think that that would probably have been a Rubicon. Even the producers are like, uh, that doesn't come off, Dan. I, do, do, yeah. Well, the, do you think that they wrote it in and then Dan Aykroyd's grunt was just so horrible and unsettling that they were like, ah, I, I can, I, I can vision it in my worst of nightmares, Dan Aykroyd's grunt. And it is. Something I don't want to ever witness. Dan, Dan Aykroyd's grunt is the sound he makes in Ghostbusters when that ghost is blowing him. That's that's the sound he made, and the producers were like, destroy the footage of this, like the footage of, of Brandon Lee getting shot in The Crow. We have to burn it. No one can see this. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd's grunt is the name of my next trivia team. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um... Zero grunts. Okay, well Zero that grunts. was easy to guess, and yeah. you already guessed the the secret fuck, word this week. Fuck your little games, Jesus! Just you crushing did. it. I don't, does this mean we change the game again? Do I just go back to another secret word? I'm I don't know. Landon. Guessing my whole listen. I'm questioning organized games now. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, honestly, perhaps rightfully so, because this is two two <laughs> times now that your organized games have have forced you to buy a bunch of people fast food or some other thing. <laughs> or the equivalent. Um, yeah, the equivalent of fast food. <laughs> but now listen, last time they didn't, some of them didn't want it based on the fact that you got by on a technicality. Oh, uh, really? For a character actor corner, right? Oh, I, I mean, didn't realize. Was, the, yeah, okay. Remember, I mean, it was the whole Back to the Future thing? Yeah, no, I remember that it was a technicality and it was kind of bullshit how we got it. I yeah. respect that some of our fans were like, no, I don't want it unless it's real. Guys, this time it was uh, real. So I just... I, I'm not trying to weasel my way out of this, but uh, oh my god, Landon. you did. You said Episcopal, not Episcopalian. I, I've I've said Episcopalian since. I don't. You I don't, have, but after I brought it up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But you also. I, just I said Episcopal, and you made a thing of it. Don't don't make the games, Landon. If you don't want to, then pay out when I win at the game. I do. I do want to pay out. I just want to make sure that we're satisfying the largest group possible. Yes, of course. The the largest group, people who subscribe to our Patreon, a massive, massive group, large enough to swing an election, in fact. Well, I love them. Um, in fact, I have a announcement. Um, 
Uh, some details are going to come in the future, uh, but if you like our live episodes, you can join in on Discord because uh, we decided we're going to do one of our bonus episodes as yeah. uh, a live episode. And, and um, is not it gonna... ready to... Oh, we're yeah. not going to talk about what it is? Okay, never mind. Never mind. We're not going to talk about what it is yet because no. I want to make sure that it works before we... <laughs> We do it, uh, but it's going to be a little bit different this time if if what we're planning actually works and you're talking to a bunch of technological dum-dums here. So uh, fingers crossed we are. can make it work. Yes. Um, and it'll be great. It'll be great either way. No matter what, it's going to be great. Yeah. We'll do a live episode no matter what. Uh, just some of the details are yet TBD, just like yes. the date of it. Uh, yes. It should be – we're on episode eight now, um, and – this will happen, I believe, after episode 12. So within a month or so, uh, if you want to set your calendars. Uh, yeah, I can't say the exact date of it yet, but we'll let you know. So we'll have that announcement probably in the next episode. Look forward to that. Um, otherwise, I got no nothing else. I, I got I got one other thing, folks. Oh, I boy. did it again. I was in Portland. Oh, I was on an episode of the Tope nope, Suicida the podcast. <laughs> yep, yep. Okay, I'm going to say it really quick. Episode of Tope Suicida podcast. Uh, Google Tope Suicida, because once again, I have not uh, looked up their name. T-O-P-E-S-U-I-C-I-D-A. Uh, it's a podcast about wrestling. <laughs> I was a guest. Uh, I talked to Bo and Mike, who have been guests on this show before. Son we watched three different wrestling uh, matches I was on an episode two cage matches yeah okay they were okay they were on this episode we were on one of their episodes we're gonna if you haven't heard those episodes sit tight because we're gonna do another one with them sometime this season um you know what but, i'm just I'm, I'm just keeping them at a distance i'm playing it cool they're gonna come to me at some point th- that look that always uh that always works uh you can find them <laughs> find them on twitter at tope suicida pod or mm-hmm. um or uh, uh on or, Instagram. Yeah, or on Instagram, also at Tope Suicida Pod. And you can follow the yep. hosts Bo Rosser and Mike Whitman at Bo Rosser or at Mike from TV. Listen to the damn episode, guys. I'm funny. It's, but I would be way funnier if Landon had been with me, uh, because Landon's <laughs> no, he, my best friend. I I joke and jape. Uh German, you were great on it. I always love listening to their show and I love listening, especially when you're on. So oh, thank you. Uh, very excited um, that you got to do it yet again. Um, I just like knowing how squeamish you can be and seeing what they're going to uh, <laughs> put you through. I know. I know. It's but really... you, you've suffered through the worst of it, so I can't imagine they're going to do much more to you. I, I, don't, yeah, I don't know how much more gory it can be than what I've already seen on their, on, on yeah. their show. I think, you, I think you've, you've, you're an honorary tope boy. <sighs> that's, I, that's all I've ever wanted out of life. Um, I am a Tope brother. Um, but that's all I got. That's all my plugs. I've cool. plugged out. All right. Well, listen to Tope Suicida and, uh, let's get out of here. Grunt yeah. work is made possible by our patrons. And I want to thank every single one of them, uh, for subscribing to us. Because if you enjoyed today's episode and want to help us create the show, be like them and consider becoming an official Grunthead sponsor over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. Oh, and I forgot to mention, we have a new patron. Uh, that happened over the break. So uh, thank you to Adam. We really appreciate your patronage for making the show possible. Thank you, Uh, Adam. Leave us a rating and review over at Apple Podcasts uh, or wherever you listen to podcasts because it's the fastest, easiest way and freest way to support us. And it helps people find the show. Stop by to say hi to us on Twitter or Instagram at GruntworkPod or visit our website at www.gruntworkpodcast.com slash Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, just dot com. 
<laughs> where you can also see other information on, on other information on today's episode and sign up for a weekly newsletter to be notified whenever a new episode is released. And until next week, when Truman, I'm sorry to say, the holidays are starting all over again. Oh no! Oh my God! You're kidding! <laughs> it's Thanksgiving next week, Fuck. and we got a big special guest. Oh, uh, not on our this. show, but on Home Improvement. Oh boy. Um, so until next week when we bring you another holiday episode of Home Improvement, I have been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps, and remember, I've thought long and hard about NFTs. And I've decided <laughs> it's not something I need to do. Prayer hands emoji. <laughs> <laughs>